Thank God for the love of Christ. The Bible tells us in Romans that while God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God's love is great. Does anybody have a song or testimony you want to share right before we begin? All right. As the kids go out, let's take our Bibles go to 1 John. 1 John chapter number 2 is where we're going to be. First John chapter number 2, and let's open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll look at God's word. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for a wonderful day. We do thank you for your marvelous love and grace and mercy. As it said, so unworthy was I, I didn't do anything to deserve your love. I just was a dirty, rotten old sinner, but yet you looked down at me and had mercy upon me, sent your son down the cross so I can be saved. And I thank you for January 18th, 1992, when I bowed as a dirty, rotten old sinner and got up as a saint. Uh, thank God for that. I thank God for all these people we've seen saved. And we know you're not in, your, your soul winning business is not over. You're still saving souls. And we just ask you just to be with us tonight. Let your spirit fill this room. We pray in your name that your blood will cover us and that Satan will be binded up and kept far from us and help us just turn our eyes to you. It seems like you, you orchestrated everything from the night from the songs all the way down to the preaching about this thing on salvation and assurance of salvation you love for us. So, Lord, there's someone here tonight that's doubting their salvation, someone here tonight that's not saved. We pray that the word will get a hold of their hearts and they'll come to a saving knowledge of you. And we that are saved, we ask you just to give us something to inspire us to keep on going, to go out and to witness to people and to share the love of Christ. And we'd be quick to give you the praise and the glory for what you're going to do for us tonight in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. You know, as you, you look through the Bible, there's many wonderful chapters in the Bible to read that will give a, a person encouragement. Of course, I encourage you to be students of the Word. I think that's one area of my life that I struggle in the most is try to find time to get into God's Word. Uh, we just get so busy. I remember sitting in high school wishing time will hurry up and fly. Now I wish I could buy time because it just flies so quickly. And so that's one area I do struggle and pray that I can find more time. Of course, I know we have the same 24 hours we were born with, but something happens that time. My, my, my team plays Houdini on me. One moment's there and the next moment's gone. So I love to get back into word more and spend more time in prayer. And I think that's why uh, you read over in Acts where they, the, the, the preachers went out and got them deacons. Yeah. Maybe I need to go get me a bunch of deacons because I do have a bunch of deacon kids. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, but, uh, but, but, but time just seems to, to disappear. But, but as you go through, there's many chapters in the Bible that gives encouragement, that gives a, a strength to a believer. Like you go over and read uh, Romans chapter 7 and verse ch and chapter 8, you have to read those together. Chapter 7, Paul is talking about the war within, that war between the flesh and the spirit, that war between the doing what's right and doing what's wrong. And Paul says, that which I would do, I do not. That which I would not do, I do. Because what he's saying is that war that's in, and sometimes that flesh gets the best of me. And you read through that chapter 7, and he comes back to chapter 8, and he goes, let me tell you how to have the victory. So you have the victory through the Spirit. See, so it's like a, you can call the story of, um, I went to the preacher's retreat, and the guy got to preach on the, the story of uh, Saul when they went to war against the Philistines, and he told everybody that they should not eat, and that anybody that was going to eat is going to be a curse, and he's going to kill them. So they're out doing this war, they're all weak, they're all tired, they don't have no strength. And Jonathan found some honey and ate him some honey and, and had the strength to win the victory. 
and ask the same way within this war within. Which one are you feeding? Are you feeding the flesh more? If you feed the flesh, you're going to be carnal. You're going to be worldly. If you feed that spirit, you're going to be spiritual. So, so that's some good chapters to read, chapter 7, chapter 8 of Romans, how to fight the war within. Psalms chapter 1 is a good verse, the chapter to read tells us how to be prosperous, how to get the blessings of God. That word prosperous, I define it as the blessings of God. Don't everybody like to have the blessings of God? When you read chapter 1, it tells you how to do that. You read Revelation chapter 20, it tells us about the end times, about that new heaven that's going to come down to earth. This First uh, John is a good three books to read. Uh, I'm sorry, first, good five books to read. It tells us about the assurance of salvation. God is writing this book to, uh, to the Christians saying, Hey, I love you. I want to be there for you. I want to encourage you. I don't want you to doubt your salvation. It is a letter from the Father to the kids. And it's so great to know that our Father loves us so much as Brother, uh, uh, Brother Ed was saying that we're so unworthy, but he still loves us. How many times have we slipped and fallen, but God has still been there right there for us? How many times have we, have we uh, let God down? We feel unworthy to go to God, but he comes to us with open arms and says, I love you, I forgive you, I want to give you another chance. And so as God's talking to John here, he's sitting down and writing this book. He goes, I want to give you some assurance of your salvation. I'm just curious, has anybody ever doubted your salvation? God, I was so dumb. Why did I do that? How can you even love me for doing that? If I was saved, why am I really doing these things? Now, you got to be careful, though. <coughs> Many people are, are claiming a false salvation. Many people think they're going to heaven because they said a prayer. A prayer don't save you. Many people think they're going to heaven because they've been dunked in the water. You're getting that baptistry a sinner, you're going to come out a wet sinner. Many people think they're going to heaven because they've been drugged to church by their parents. Many people had different ideas that Satan has given on how to be saved. There's only one way of salvation. And Jesus Christ made it plain and clear. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But there does come times in our lives where we doubt our salvation. And, and what makes us doubt our salvation? Sin, the devil. The devil wants to destroy your relationship with God. So, so he, he puts all these temptations out there. And if we're not strong in the Bible, we're not strong in the Word, we're not close to the Lord, we can fall. You got to realize this thing right here will keep you from sin. But sin will keep you from this. So the closer we are to God, does that mean we will not sin? Of course not. We're going to see that in a few minutes. But the closer we are to God, the more power, the more ability we have to overcome sin. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So we got to keep God close. But we see here, uh, uh, John's writing this book. and Hold your place in chapter 2 and go to chapter number 5. Look at the words he writes in chapter 5 in verse number 13. 1 John 5, 13, and it says this right here. He goes, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. So right there's the, the proof of salvation. He's talking to Christians. He goes, you that believe on the name of the Son of God, one of those who are trusting God for your salvation, look what he says, that, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now many times when we talk to people about assurance of salvation, this is the verse we come to. John is writing these things that you might know that you have eternal life. Some proofs, if you want to say that you have eternal life. Of course, many times, I don't know about you, cowboy, I sometimes stretch that verse outside of 1 John. I said, these things are written. The Bible is written that we can know that we have salvation. But to be more specific, take that verse in context, the book of 1 John is written to Christians who are doubting their salvation. And John says, I want to encourage you for a few minutes. I want to give you some proofs, give you some ideas on why you are saved. 
We see in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 1, we see the God's concern for his own. Look at 2, verse 1. It says that here. It says, my. You know, we can stop right there and we can have a hallelujah fit. We can start running around the room. We can start rejoicing because God is claiming us for his own. He's not talking to sinners. He's not talking to the heathen. He's not talking to someone who don't believe in him, who's an atheist, who, who denies God. He's talking to Christians. And he says, my. You know, that tells me that God wants me to be his own. You know, as I quoted the verse a while ago, while yet I was a sinner, Christ died for me. That word my shows a, a possession. This is my Bible. This is my phone. That is my family. And God is saying to us Christians, we are his. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse number 8, But as many as received him, to them gave him power to become the sons of God. Once I get saved, God becomes my papa. Once I get saved, God becomes my best friend. Once I get saved, God is everything to me. He says, my, we are his. He is ownership. We are his Apple, we are apple in his eye. We are his. He goes, my little children. We stop right there. That tells us right there that, 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 that if we want to be in the family, we got to be born again. You go back and you take that, that word they use to translate into my little children back to the original language. I'll try to tell you the original word. I'll probably butcher it up and down. Brother Ed probably tell you how to say it. It's T-E-K-N-O-N. Tekon. What that word means is you must... Be born one. So God is saying, my born ones, my children, those who believe on my name, I'm writing this to you. I want to let you know you are mine. You are precious in my, in my eyes. You go back, you read it out through the Bible, you realize God never thinks bad about his children. You go there, you read when Jesus was on the earth and he was walking around and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Pharisees came around. He didn't talk very nice to those guys. He called them serpents. He called them hypocrites. He called them everything under the heavens. But you know, as of you and I, we that are saved, he never one time talked bad about us. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us precious are his thoughts. They're unnumberable. When God thinks about me, he don't think about my sin because my sin's under the blood. He don't come back and say, uh, Brother Tony, I remember in 1665 when you did this. <laughs> Uh, he's my friend. It wasn't 1765. <laughs> he don't say, I remember when you did this. But how, how often do we do that to our friends? How often do we do that to people that have done us wrong? But God says, hey, I don't remember it no more. It's forgotten. It is under the blood. It's in the deepest sea. I remember it no more. It is blotted out. He says, my little ones. I'm writing this to you. You are mine. You're precious in my eyes. God is saying before you can know your assurance of salvation, you've got to be born again. And that's the question to you tonight is, are you born again? As Nicodemus said, I'm not talking about going back into your mother's womb and being born again. He's talking about spiritually. Have you been accepted to Christ your Lord and Savior? Are you adopted into the family of God? We must be born again. Look what he says. My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. Man, I hate sin. 
Sin destroys families. Sin destroys lives. And God says, hey, my little children, you're born again. You're different about you. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Those old things are old desires. Those things that sin wants to do. He says, those are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. Once we get saved, we have a new desire not to beat our wives. We have a new desire, desire not to drink or not to smoke or not to do these sinful things. I praise the Lord. I'm not calling myself a super spiritual person, but I didn't, I didn't never, have, I never tasted wine or whiskey. I never had a cigarette to my mouth. I never indulged in sin, but when I did get saved, some things changed in my life. I've seen drunkards get saved and no longer pick up another a bottle. I've seen, alcohol, I've seen a Drunkers and alcohol, same thing. I've never seen a, 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 a person, I, I know a lady in Austin, she smoked five packs of cigarettes a day. She said, I tried to stop, I might stop for a week or two, but I go back to it. She got saved, and so far, 20 years later, she ain't picked up another pack of cigarettes. Why? Because Jesus makes a difference. He goes, once you get saved, of course, don't get me wrong, you don't have to stop smoking to get saved. You don't have to stop drinking to get saved. You don't have to quit cursing to get saved, but once you do, your desires change. You want to go to church. You want to read your Bible. You want to do what's right. He goes, hey, I write these things to you, my little children, that you sin not. God hates sin. You read the Bible over there in Isaiah chapter 59, I believe it is, uh, uh, tiny. The Bible says your iniquities have separated you from God. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isaiah chapter, uh, sorry, Psalms chapter 66, verse 18 says, I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You know how it is, uh, Brother Job. You go and do something so silly, your wife gets mad at you and you try to talk to her. Of course, those guys, we got our favorite saying. I'm sure you can ask every guy, when you do something wrong, we come back to our wives and we say, what did I do wrong? And they get even madder at us. And what they do, they start ignoring us and don't tell us. And that's what happens with God. When we sin, God gets, uh, if you want to say mad, but, but God says, you know what? I turn a deaf ear to you until you get it right. But once we come to God and says, God, I am sorry. Please forgive me. You know what he does? What are you talking about? I don't remember that. I forgive you. That relationship is story. But that's the devil's goal. The devil wants to get into your life. He wants you to ruin your life by sin so you can separate that relationship with God. You know, the devil cannot defeat God. The devil cannot defeat the church. The Bible says, I shall build my church and the hell's gates shall not prevail against it. But tell me why churches are closing down. Tell me why churches are so worldly. Because the devil used you and I to get into the church and to destroy the church. Head to head, the devil has no match. But he says, you know what, let me get into to, to Riley's life and put a little sin in his life. Put a little hypocriticalness in his life. Let me get put some stuff in his life so when he gets into the church, it'll destroy it. You know, when you read the Bible, the Bible talks about leaven. Nine times out of ten in the Bible when it talks about leaven, it's talking about sin. But there's one time in the Bible where, where that leaven is pictured as heaven. But, uh, but, but the point is that that, that, that leaven is a, uh, it's a very small. It's not a, a little leaven, it's leaven with the whole thing. But that, that, that leaven is the same thing as yeast. For the old ladies and men who like to cook, you take that dough, and you don't put no flour in that dough, you don't put no uh, yeast in that dough, you don't put no leaven in that dough, you cook that bread, it's going to be flat, called flat bread. 
But you want this big old fluffy, juicy, big old piece of bread. You take some leaven and throw it in there. You mix it all together, put it in the oven, and, and that's what sin does. The devil gives you a little bit of sin, and that little sin just makes a big old wreck out of your life. God is saying here, you know what, my little children, you are born again. You are something different. The Bible even calls us a peculiar people. You know, when I was growing up in high school, I was a nerd. I was a skinny 175 pound of bean pole. I don't know why my wife liked me. Matter of fact, we went to the same church. We went to rivalry schools. I went to the better school. And, uh, of course, we went to elementary, the same uh, middle school, the same school. And I uh, was at, going to church, and I claim she spoke to me first, but she has a different story. You talk to her later on. We was at a restaurant that we go to every Sunday morning. <laughs> I don't know what he said, but I keep on going. I went to a restaurant every Sunday morning, and uh, it was called Grandy's. It had the best steak biscuit and hash browns and uh, make your tongue slap the back of your head. And I'm sitting there enjoying my meal, and here's Sabrina about four tables down. She goes, hey, Stephen. I didn't even know she knew my name. I didn't know who she was, but she spoke to me. I was a nerd. Nobody liked me. So I started following her around, opening the doors and talking to her and helping her out. So one day she's talking to her, her uh, niece, nephew, talking to one of her family relatives. Her name was Dana. And she goes, what do you think about Steve? Because there was another guy at the church named Steve, and he was like, mm, 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 good looking and hot. And uh, she goes, what do you think about Steve? And she goes, he's pretty good. I said, no, I'm talking about the nerdy one. <laughs> trying to regain my thoughts while I went here. <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> Being a nerd. I ain't going to hear the last of that one. <laughs> There's a purpose for the story. Uh, oh, well, let's go on. Say again. I'll re-procure your people. So me growing up, I was a peculiar one as a nerd, and no one likes to be around now that I got married. And, and uh, someone came up to Miss Sabrina about three years after we got married, and they said, you sure do look good on him. I went from a nerd to being good-looking now. But I was always a peculiar person. People thought I was strange. I was different. But, you know, once I got saved, I really became different. I became strange, strange in the eyes of God that, hey, I'm not supposed to be like that world. I'm not supposed to do the same things that world. I'm supposed to live different so they see something different in me and want what I have. But he says, now you're saved, my little children, and stay away from sin. Does that mean I will never sin again? <laughs> no. You go Look over at chapter number 1. Chapter 1, verse number 8, it says this right here. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, I thank God that's all, the that's all the requirement he asked for to forgive our sins. If I just confess our sins. I don't have to go to the Pope and pay money for the Pope to forgive me. I ain't got to say 10,000 Hail Marys. I ain't got to be a good person. They all going to want to be a good person by saved. All God requires is me to confess my sins. And, and truthfully, how hard is that? <laughs> Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes I know as us men, we're prideful. We don't like to admit when we are wrong. But God says, hey, you're a sinner. We talk about that in Romans chapter 7, that war going on. Some days I feed that flesh more than I feed that spirit, and I find myself doing the wrong things. But if I go to God, ask forgiveness, uh, Chicken Little. Anybody seen it? We used this illustration this morning. Anybody seen Chicken Little before? 
You remember uh, he goes out and, and he tries to play baseball and he, he couldn't throw the ball very good. And the, the sky came, hit his head. But he woke up the next morning. What did he say? Today, it was after he won the championship. He hit a home run, won the game. He goes, today is a new day. I might feed that flesh. I might go out and sin. I might be doing all kind of evil, wicked things. But I go to my father, ask him to forgive me, name those sins. Today, tomorrow is a new day. I get to start a new day being a peculiar person. I get to start a new day having fellowship with God and walking in the Spirit, feeding the Spirit, and go out and make a difference in this world. He goes, my little children, you're mine. You're precious in my eyes. Go out and sin no more. Oh, let's read that last verse in chapter 1. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So once I get saved, does that mean I'm going to stop sinning? No. It means I'm going to sin less. I'm not going to be as bad as I am. And when I do wrong, uh, that's where verse number 2 comes in. No, end of verse number 1. Chapter 2, verse number 1. My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, notice they don't say, if maybe he goes, when you sin. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I love that word advocate. What does that word advocate mean? That word advocate means um, um, intercessor. It means mediator. It means the go-between. It means the lawyer. You know, I ain't never been to court, praise the Lord, and I hope I never go. But when you go to that court, if you pay yourself a good lawyer, he's going to get you out of trouble. You know, that's what Jesus is. He is my lawyer. You know, the devil comes and he's throwing all kinds of accusations my way. You remember when Steve did this? You remember when he did that? You remember when Cowboy did this and Cowboy did that? You remember when Alyssa did this and she did that? And the, the, the Jesus Christ steps up and says, uh, wait a second, Father. My blood forgave all that. Uh, wait a second, Father. He is mine. I'm taken up for him. He is my attorney. You go back and you look at the original meaning of that word, uh, advocate. It means to run beside someone and pick them up. What does the Bible tells us? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will uphold thee by my right hand. He goes, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. That word means to run to one side as when he has fallen and lift him up. How many times have we fallen in sin? And Jesus comes by and says, let me help you up. How many times we've fallen in sin and we thought it was the end of the world and Jesus says, I will forgive you. I can let you start anew. Jesus Christ comes along and he picks us up when we fall in sin. So God is saying, my little children, you are precious in my eyes. Avoid sin. Stay away from sin. But when you do sin, you have an advocate. You have a lawyer. You have someone that's going to run beside you and pick you up and to, to help you through this situation. Now God turns around the rest of the chapters. He goes, now that you are saved, now that you know uh, who you are, you're special in the family, let me give you some assurances to know that you are saved. Look what he says in verse number three. He says this right here. He goes, um, oh, sorry, verse number two. And he is the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation means atonement, forgiveness. Jesus Christ is the reason your sins are forgiven. That's one of the verses I go to when I, when I start comparing Bibles to people, showing people, is over there in Colossians 1.14. It says, in whom we have forgiveness uh, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. The only way our sins are forgiven, the only way our sins are washed out is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. His sins wash me white as snow. They, they want to say we have a bloody religion. I say thank God for the blood. I am washed white as snow. Why? 
Because of the blood of Christ. He goes, uh, we have a perpetuation, we have a forgiveness, we have atonement of our sins. And not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Take that, Calvinists. Calvinists say that before the foundation of the world that God went through and he picked out that Elysius should be a sinner and die and go to hell and Brother Tony's going to be saved and go to heaven. Cowboy's going to split the gates of hell wide open and Brother Parker and all of his family's going to be saved. That verse right there tells me that Jesus died for everybody on the face of the earth. I don't care if you're red, white, yellow, black, or white. I don't care if you're fat, skinny, hairless, bald. I don't care if you got hair down to your feet. God loves you. Jesus died on the cross. The Bible says Jesus came to seek and save those which were lost. He said, Brother Steve, who was lost? Everyone on this face of this earth. If you're born of man, you're a sinner. That's why Jesus uh, had to be born through a virgin. Had no effect of a man. Had not, had not, had not, had not, had not, had not, I said that five times fast. You say that five times fast. <laughs> uh, Jesus had no influence of a man's nature in him. That's why he was holy and perfect. He goes, for the sins of the whole world. And hereby, so here he goes. He goes, now you're saved. Your sins are forgiven. Verse 3 says, and hereby we know that we know him. So you know that you are saved. Here's your assurance of salvation. Number one, if we keep his commandments. See, I never understand, cowboys, somebody that gets saved and never darkened the doors of a church. The Bible says, forsake not the sin of yourselves together. Once you get saved, you got a desire to read your Bible. Once you get saved, you got a desire to, to, to go to church. You have a desire to live different. You see somebody get saved, the first thing they want to do is tell somebody else about Christ. Why? It's a commandment in the Bible. And God says, you want to know you saved? You want assurance of salvation? Do you follow my word? Do you keep my commandments? Do you do what thus saith the Lord? And we're talking more than just the Ten Commandments. There's more than that. But God's given us things, some commandments. He says this. He says, I will bless you. Who wants the blessings of God? He goes, I will bless you if you keep my commandments. That's all he asks. I don't have to give him money. I don't have to, 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 to sacrifice my life on a cross. I don't have to do all kinds of crazy things. I just got to do what he says to do. And but through me living his commandments, people are going to notice a difference in your life. If you love him, you'll keep his commandments. It says this right here, verse number four. And he that saith, I know him, and keep not his commandments is a liar. That's God's words. Remember what he said in chapter 1, verse number 10? If we say that we have not sinned, we made him a liar. The Bible tells me in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, I think it is, that God cannot lie. So there's a liar in the room. Either it's me or it's him. And my money's on, cowboy. <laughs> Sorry, brother. <laughs> um, verse number 5. And whoso keepeth his word. So, so if I'm saved, I'm going to keep his commandments. If I'm saved, I'm going to keep his word. It says, um, keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. Do you love this word? There's some chapters in this I like to read, as I mentioned earlier. There's some chapters in here I don't like to read. When I go through the book of Leviticus, a bunch of laws, it's kind of boring to me. Go through the book of Chronicles. You know what's the best part of the book of Chronicles? If you never read the book of Chronicles, it's so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. Huh? The last verse, amen. 
But sometimes in the book of, of uh, the books of First and Second Chronicles, they give little gold nuggets in there. They they say some little things. But if you don't love this, you might not be saved. Now I'm saying if you don't love this, you're not saved. Definitely, you could just be living in sin. As we mentioned earlier, sin will keep you from this. Because this has any answer you need on earth. Any questions you have, get in the Bible. Any directions, the Bible tells us in all our ways acknowledge him and he shall direct our path. You know when me and Sabrina started dating, started getting to one another, I tried to do everything I could. I tried to do everything I could to get to know her. What she like, what she don't like, what pleases her, what she gets upset about. And then I tried to do it. You want to please God? It's in here. You want to know what God wants you to do in your life? It's in here. This is the answer. You don't need no other book. You you say, well, I I like to read mystery books. There's a good mystery book in here. There's a story in here about a boy named David who went out and killed a giant. And his reward for killing the giant was he get to marry um, his daughter, Michal, Michelle, whatever you want to call her. There's been a lot of debates on it. A lot of people said the only reason that the uh, children of Israel didn't, because Saul says, you go out and you beat Goliath, I will give you my daughter. Many people said the reason the children of Israel didn't go out and fight Goliath, because she was one ugly dude. I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, David went out there, killed the giant. Uh, <laughs> good thing I can't hear you all the way back there. <laughs> David got out there, he killed the giant. Saul gives his daughter to him. So then Saul turns around and hates David. He tries to kill him three times by throwing a dagger at him. You know, if you throw a dagger at me the first time, I probably won't come back to your side again. But three different times Saul tried to kill him. So one day Saul gets the idea, let's go to his house while he's in bed and let's kill this joker. His daughter got a reward of it. And uh, what she did is, you know the old, the old the movies you watch, maybe you don't yourself when you're supposed to be in bed and you don't, you're supposed to go out and you're in trouble. You take your pillows and make a silhouette, all right, silhouette of yourself in the bed. And then you go out and mom looks in the room. Of course, the, the famous one is uh, Filler's Day Off. You remember he uh, had it all rigged up when they opened the door, it rolled over, it snored and everything. Well, uh, that's what happened. Uh, Macau, she, uh, she made a silhouette of David, put him in bed, let him out the window. Uh, Saul comes in, his army starts stabbing the pillows and wondering what's going on. And for some reason I'm telling this story to what? Mystery. That's, uh, is that not a good mystery story? Uh, uh, good, another good mystery story. A good venture story is Saul, uh, later on, New Testament, Saul's killing a bunch of Christians. And then he gets saved. And God tells him to go talk to Ananias, who's at the, who's at the church. And Ananias is all scared, saying, well, he kills people. You want me to go talk to him? Is that not a mystery? Is that not a venture? What would you do if God told you to go talk to the number one, killing, number, one killing, per, number one Christian killing person in the world? Would you go talk to him? See, there's their love story. The book of Ruth, we're going through the book of Ruth in a, at church on a, a love story. The book of Song of Solomon is a love story. Uh, so anything you possibly want in here, he goes, this is how you know you're saved. Number one, you keep my commandments. Number two, you love my word. How many of y'all remember when y'all were dating Brother uh, Gomez and Miss, Miss Gomez? Boop. Amanda, there you go. Miss Amanda will write that little sweet love letter to you. Maybe she'll seal it with a kiss, spray some perfume on it and give it to you. I mean, see, see, y'all young folks know nothing about this. Y'all got text messaging. 
It's not the same as waiting all day to get a letter from Miss Sabrina. It's not the same as waiting all day to get a letter and smell that letter and, and you see that lip print all over that thing. And go, it's not the same as a text message. Y'all kids know nothing about it. Technology has destroyed America. That should be this right here. This is a love letter from God. We ought to kiss it. We got to adore it. And of course, us men, we ain't the same. Probably I talked to Miss Amanda. She probably still have a box full of letters from Brother Joe. I know Miss Rand for a long time kept, I've kept on throwing them away. I'm like, did I write that? Who, who really wrote this story? Was this me? But this is God's love letter. He goes, you will love me if you, you, you you're saved, assurance of your salvation if you love my word. He says in verse number, um, um, what verse am I on? Verse five, verse six. He that saith he abided him also ought himself to walk even as he walked. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm supposed to act just like him. Do you live like a Christian? Now, I'm not saying everyone who lives like a Christian is saved. There are some hypocrites out there, but the Bible says we shall know them by their fruits. Um, he is that saith abided him ought also to walk even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, uh, which things is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shining. He goes, you want to know if you're saved? Do people notice a difference in your life? Or are you just like the world? Like I said, do people get saved and never come to church again? I know salvation is between them, but there's something that different that happens to a person once they get saved. New desires, new, new, new wants. Verse 9, and he that saith that he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. You want to know if you're saved? Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? The Bible says if you don't, you're not saved. He that loveth uh, his brother abideth in the light, and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. Now, do I always like everything cowboy does? No, but I love him. I, I want the best for him. So if you save, you keep his commandments. If you save, you follow him. If you save, you love his word. If you save, you're just like him. If you save, you will be just like him. Look down at verse 22. I'm sure we are out of time. I can't see that clock because of all the reflections. But it says in verse 22, who is a liar but he that denied that Jesus is Christ? Do you tell people who Christ is? Do you tell people that he is the only way? Um, he is the Antichrist that denied the Father and the Son. Whosoever denied the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledged the Son hath the Father also. In other words, uh, do you deny Christ in front of people? When you go to work, do you try to hide your Christianity? He says you might not be saved. So are you going to heaven? Let me ask the question. Why do you think you're going to heaven? Are you trusting Christ? Or are you trusting something that you've done? The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith and that now of yourself. It is a gift of God. The only way we are saved is if we, we trust God to forgive our sins. We love our brethren. We, uh, uh, the, the world's not in us. Look at verse 15. It says in chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What does that mean, the love of the world? It's talking about the world systems, wanting everything of the world. Do you want Christ more or do you want that new car more? 
Do you want Christ more? Or do you want money and fame and fortune? Everybody look at you. We got to live in the world. We got to remember this world is not my home. You got to remember these things of earth. We can't take to heaven with us. That new Lamborghini will not get you to heaven. That new Porsche, that new washing machine. Uh, there's a song. I don't know if y'all remember uh, singing cowboy in junior church. You can't get to heaven in a rocking chair because you just might rock past those pearly gates. You can't get to heaven in a washing machine because tide can't wash your sins away. There's many more. There's a bunch of stuff too. I can't remember the whole song. I'm getting old. You know, but but the world. He says the love of the world. If you had the love of the world in, there's one of two things wrong. Number one, you ain't saved. Or number two, you so far from this, you've forgotten that you're saved. Where's your desires at? He goes, my little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. He has a propitiation for our sins. So go out and sin no more. You can read that. And also in, uh, was it Romans chapter 8? It says, shall we sin? God forbid. Why? Because we're saved. We are. So today, tonight you're going to leave and meet somebody on the road and say, you know what? I'm a peculiar person. The Bible tells me I'm a royal priesthood. I said that word wrong, but R-O-Y-A. There's some words I can't say. That's why I thank God for sign language. Some words I can't say proper. My Georgia accent, my rednecks just don't allow me to say it. So uh, but sign language I can say it. But you go tell somebody, I'm a strange person. Let me tell you why I'm strange. God has forgiven my sins on my way to heaven. I'm heaven bound with a, I'm heaven bound with a hammer down. <laughs> Tonight, are you saved? Are you going to heaven? If you are, live like Christ. Live, don't live like the world. Are you doubting your salvation or not? There's one or two reasons why you're doubting your salvation. Number one, you're really not saved. You're not trusting Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or number two, you're living in sin and the devil's got you fooled. So tonight you get that right. You get saved or you get right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for all your wonderful blessings. Thank you for the message you've given us on the assurance of salvation. Thank you. I'm a, I'm a peculiar person. Not like I was a nerd in high school, but I'm your child. I'm your son. I'm precious in your eyes. There's something different about me now, and the difference is Christ. Help me to live for you. Help me glorify you. Help me to love your word. Help me to obey your commandments. Help me to love my brethren. Help me be not like the world. And we be quick and give you the praise and glory for what you're going to do for us. In Jesus' holy and precious name. Let's all stand together. If you need to come to the altars and pray, it's open. If you know somebody who's not saved, won't you pray for them? If you're doubting your salvation tonight, won't you come down to the altar and don't leave until you, you get it right. Until you know for sure that if you die, you know you'll go. Because there's a lot of people out there in this world depending on you to tell them about the true meaning of salvation.